Matthew, t- Matthew is uh, a narrative of the uh, life and ministry of Jesus. Uh, we'll be uh, reading this uh, this morning from uh, Matthew 28, verse 1, uh, just right at the end of the chapter uh, after, after Jesus' resurrection, about Jesus' resurrection. Uh, Matthew 28, verse 1. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. He appeared, his, his appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of them that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said, Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They they came to him, clasped at his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had had happened. When the chief priests met with the elders and devised the plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets, uh, gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. instructed. And, this, and, this day has been, and this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is God's word. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, I'm very excited. Uh, We're going to start a brand new sermon series next week on the book of Colossians, and that's what we'll be doing for the first term as we uh, go back to really look at how priceless Jesus is, how valuable he is to really kickstart our year for us. But today, it's our commissioning uh, Sunday. It's a commissioning service, um, and we're going to... Come back to what really drives us. You know, what, what, why is it that we're commissioning Matt and Ben today? Why is it that we exist as a church? Just to set our foundation for what's ahead. Now, it's 2022. Did you guys realize it's 2022? Sometimes it's a bit, you know, of a surreal thing for me to realize that. Um, and I wonder, as 2022 uh, looms ahead of you, what is it that you're thinking about? Uh, are you feeling excited? Uh, you might have. You know, maybe you've got some big plans, some resolutions which may have failed already. That's okay. Maybe you've got things that you'd love to do this year. I'm sure we've all got something that we're looking forward to this year, something that we're hoping for. And one of the things that I would 
like to do, uh, you might call it resolution, I just like to call it something I want to do, is uh, spend a bit more time with my kids, just to be more present with my kids. You know, I've, I've been finding it, uh, you know, when I'm with my kids, I'm trying to like do some housework or reply some messages on my phone. I'd love to be more present with my kids. That's one thing I'd like to do. I wonder what it is that you would like to do. What would you like to do this year? That's an important question. Uh, but let me tell you, tell you a little secret. Let me tell you a little secret. What matters most isn't what you do. What matters most is why you are doing it. All right? What matters most isn't what you do, but what matters most is why you are doing that thing. So, friends, the important question to ask, more so than the what, is the why. Why is it that you get up in the morning? What is it that motivates you? I wonder what you guys talked about. Why, if I want to get a bit more existential and big, is why are you here in this world? What is your purpose? What drives you? What motivates you to make the decisions that you do each and every day? Asking these questions, let me tell you, friends, it really, really matters. And yes, I get it. It's hard. It's hard. There's a lot of competing voices out there. There's social media, popular culture, there's your friends and family all telling you what you should do and why you should do it, all trying to give you their purpose. But let me tell you something. There's only one place that we can go if we really want to get to the heart of what true purpose is, if we want to be driven by the right why. And that, that's going to God. Makes sense, doesn't it? If God is the creator of this world, then he knows what matters. When he created the world, it wasn't just a haphazard thing where he put things together. He weaved in his creation purpose into this world. So that means that there is purpose. There is a right purpose here. And I want to show that to you today. He's revealed that to us in his word. How good is that? I want to show you from the scriptures from Matthew 28. Make sure you keep those scriptures open in front of you today. Matthew 28. We're at our first point, which is um, to start with God's why. Uh, the story here, to give you some context about this particular passage that we've read, what has just happened is that Jesus Christ has been crucified, murdered and treated like a criminal, even though he was completely innocent, the only righteous man in all of history, in fact. And his body, it's been taken down from the cross, it's laid inside a tomb, and Jesus is dead. This is Jesus, the one who's supposed to be the Messiah. He's supposed to be the king. This is, what, this is the person that everyone's been waiting for, but he is dead. And as we pick up the story in this passage, uh, two women, they come to the tomb and they're met with a fearsome event. An earthquake shakes the ground. An angel descends with blinding light. He rolls back the stone covering the tomb and then he sits on top of it. The guards posted to guard the tomb to make sure no one steals the body of Jesus are terrified. The text says they become like dead men. But hear the words of the angels to the women. Have a look at verse 5, 28. Matthew 28, verse 5, in your Bibles, if you have it. It's coming up on screen if you don't have your Bibles with you. Verse 5. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. 
And the message of this angel is crystal clear, isn't it? Look, if you look at the repetition in the passage, Jesus has risen. He has risen from the dead. He has risen from the dead. Come and see. Come and see. His body is not here. Go and see him in the flesh in Galilee. Jesus has risen. This is clear, isn't it? This is the emphasis of the passage. And as we see the women, they run from the tomb. They run from the tomb with a mix of fear, because nothing like this is humanly possible, and joy, because their Lord is alive. They tell They run to tell the disciples and Jesus meets them on the way. Wow, I wonder what you would do if Jesus suddenly met you on the way back to tell people that he was risen. What would you do? Well, do you know what they do? They fall down at his feet and they worship. They worship him. They worship the one with the power to overcome death itself. Uh, Matthew 28 verse 10, if you look at that, Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. And as we pick up from verse 16, the 11 disciples, they go to Galilee to where Jesus is. And they do see Jesus in the flesh. And how do they respond? Well, they fall down and worship him. Although some doubted. And as Jesus prepares to leave to ascend back to heaven to be with the Father. He leaves them with these famous words. You might know them as the Great Commission. Have a look at Matthew 28, verse 18 with me. Matthew 28, verse 18. Then the eleven disciples went... Oh, sorry, verse 18, I'll start reading from. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now, friends, let me tell you something. To really understand the Great Commission, you might have heard this verse a million times before. To really understand the Great Commission, you have to understand the events surrounding it. What has happened? Well, the resurrection has happened. The resurrection is vital. Think about this. No one beats death. No one beats death. If you are human, you die. You can't run away from this. Some of us know this better than others as we've seen ones close to us pass away. It doesn't matter what you do. Your diet, your exercise, your lifestyle might prolong your life a little bit, but death will catch you. Is one of the few things in this life which is inevitable. Death has power and authority over our lives that we can't overcome. Friends, we can't beat death. But Jesus can. And Jesus has. This section of Matthew has painted us an amazing picture. Jesus has risen from the grave. Did you see that? Jesus has risen from the grave. The ultimate power. Death has no hold over him. He has smashed death. He has overpowered death. He has proven without a doubt that he has the ultimate power. It transcends any human understanding. And this, this is the basis, the foundation of which begins the Great Commission. This is why Jesus says in verse 18, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The foundation is his resurrection in power. 
Verse 18 is an amazing verse, if you read it again. All authority. How much authority does he have? All authority. All authority. All authority in heaven and on earth. There is nothing that escapes his rule. He's just shown that. He's crushed death like a pesky cockroach under his foot. He's crushed it. This power that was undefeatable. Jesus has power like no other. Jesus is the King of kings, Lord of lords. Very soon the narrative will show us that he will ascend to heaven to take his rightful place on his throne. There is no doubt that he is king. He is the one that rules and that changes everything. That changes everything. Friends, history has been waiting for this moment. Ever since humanity fell into sin in the Garden of Eden, history has been waiting for the king, the saviour to come. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The one with all authority in heaven and on earth. Now he has come and he has risen to reign. Friends, let me tell you this. The whole Bible is focused on Jesus because all of God's purposes are focused on Jesus. The key to unlocking God's purpose is seeing who Jesus is. The key to unlocking who God's purpose is seeing who Jesus is. This is where we need to start. Um, what a great song choice, Chester, before. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Man, is there anything more important than that? This is where we need to start. Jesus is King of kings. He's Lord of lords. He has how much authority? All authority in heaven and on earth. Wow. This is the one who has authority even over life and death. Tell me someone else that you know who can do that. Friends, whether you are Christian or not, I need you to seriously grapple with this true truth. Because think about this. If this is true, if Jesus Christ is King, if he has power over life and death, then this changes everything about what really matters. Our purpose, why we are here, is driven by this one fact. Jesus is the King. Verse 18 again. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That's the reason. His authority that's what drives us forward. God's purpose is simply this, to gather a multitude of disciples around his King Jesus in worship. Yeah. To gather a multitude of disciples around his King. He wants a people from all nations to come and bow their knee to Jesus as Lord. He wants people to be rescued from sin and come to know the joys of the kingdom of Christ. He wants people to glorify his son with all of their lives, to give him the rightful honor and praise he deserves. deserves. This is God's purpose. This is why he's doing everything he's doing, to bring more people to bow their knee to Jesus Christ, to save more. This is God's purpose. I wonder, is this yours? John Piper's got a great line. He says that mission exists because worship doesn't. Mission exists because worship doesn't. What we need to understand is this. For all of us, Christian or or not, whether you're Christian or not, great if you're not not a Christian, you're here with us today, so good to have you. You need to understand this. This is what we were made for. We were made for worship. Did you realize that? 
Our hearts are worship centres. Think about this. We spend our lives devoting our time and affection and energy to something or someone, don't we? We're worshipping that thing. There's so many different things that we do that for, but we can only find true satisfaction when we come to worship the one that we were made to worship, Jesus Christ, our Lord and King. If you're not a Christian here today, let me speak to you for one minute. God has a purpose for you. If you feel unfulfilled and empty and lost, it's because you are far from who you were meant to be. It might sound a bit cliche, but the thing is, you aren't living out your true purpose. God wants you to come to Jesus Christ and to trust in Him as your Savior and your King. He wants you to find forgiveness and joy and true rest. And He wants you to come and worship because that's what you were made for. That's what we're all made for. Friends, Jesus is King. That's the truth. That's the reality, whether we acknowledge that or not. But God wants you to join the nations of this entire world in willingly bowing your knee to Jesus Christ as King. This, this is God's big purpose for this world. To gather a multitude of disciples around His King in worship. Which is why, as a church... This is our purpose as well. If Jesus wants us to make disciples, guess what? That's what we're doing. This is God's mission, which means it's our mission as well. Disciple making is a bit of a buzzword around church. You know, make, you know go and make disciples. I wonder when we say that, what does that mean to you? Um, when I say disciple making, I'm not just talking about um, a one-to-one relationship with an older Christian and a younger Christian. Sometimes we reduce disciple making to that. I'm talking about something much much bigger. Okay, let me show you on a diagram. Yeah. Disciple making, you can think about in two parts. Okay? The first part is about getting people into the kingdom. Getting people into the kingdom. That's the first step of what Jesus means when he says, go and make disciples. Um, he wants us to make disciples. If you look at verse 19 in your Bibles, have a look at verse 19 in your Bibles. He says, therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to make disciples, to bring them into the kingdom. Baptizing, is in the biblical understanding, is synonymous with salvation. It was a package deal. It means you're part of the family now. You're saved. You're in the kingdom. It's a symbol of new life. Jesus wants us, first and foremost, to get people into the kingdom. He wants more people to follow him, to be his disciples. But that's not all. Because we're not supposed to just get people in the kingdom and then leave them at the door and go, see you later, good luck, all the best with you. You know, He wants us to grow people to be more like him. Grow people to be more like him. If you look at verse 20, um, the second part of the Great Commission, have a look at verse 20. What does it say? Um, Jesus doesn't just talk about baptizing people, going make disciples of all nations. He, he says, you must teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. Teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. The word disciple literally means learner. Did you know that? Learner. But we aren't talking about a class in school or some online Zoom that you paid a lot of hex for, right? It's, it's not about learning a subject. It's about learning a person. It's about Jesus. Learning from his knowledge, his wisdom, his whole way of life. It's learning obedience to Jesus our King. This is discipleship. And as we do so, do you know what's happening? As you obey Jesus Christ, 
You're being transformed to be more and more like Jesus, little by little. The Holy Spirit is transforming you into the likeness of Jesus Christ. He's maturing us and we're walking step, one step forward each day. We're taking a journey one step forward each day. And our destination is to be gathered in worship around Jesus Christ. One step forward each day, maturing a little bit to be more like Jesus until we are on that final day gathered in worship. This is what disciple making is all about. This is the reason we exist. To get people into the kingdom and to grow them to be more like Christ. And these core truths are summed up here at CP Church in our mission state to make devoted disciples of Jesus for God's glory. Now, it seems simple in one sense, this statement, but it's, it, everything we do is around this. If something doesn't help us achieve this mission, then we shouldn't be doing it as a church because this is what God wants for us. I want to just quickly point out the key elements of this statement. You know? Firstly, we've made sure that the end point is God's glory. It's our sinful, selfish tendency to always put ourselves in the middle, isn't it? To elevate ourselves, to make it, make it all about us. And that's no exception when it comes to church, because we're a church, we're, we're a church full of sinners. Just to give you some news, we're a church full of sinners, forgiven sinners, but sinners nonetheless. We still have a tendency to be selfish, which is why for this statement, we really wanted to put God's glory front and centre. I hope you've seen from Matthew 28 that our mission is not primarily about us, although we are recipients of incredible grace in Jesus Christ. It's actually about Jesus. It's actually about Jesus. Worship and praise and glory and honour to Jesus are the end goal as people from all over the world are rescued and brought into this kingdom. They worship Jesus and God the Father is glorified too. It's about us desiring and longing for his glory with all of our hearts. It's about us living a life of worship to him, which comes as we humbly obey. God's glory is what is at stake here. Let me say something to you which might, be, which might sound a little bit rude but is actually quite important for me to say. Are you ready for it? <laughs> Prepare yourselves. Um, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about God. It's about his glory. It's about Jesus Christ, our King and Lord. This is why we are here in church. This is why we exist. The end point must always be God's glory. Secondly, we are making disciples of Jesus. Seems like an, now this one seems like a bit of a no-brainer, right? But it's really important to point out. Because we aren't making followers of a brand or a celebrity or we aren't like an Instagram influencer here. Church is not about making disciples of CPE. It's definitely not about making disciples of Pastor Iggy, all right? It's, it's not about getting people to follow us or the way we do things here at CPE. It's about Jesus, We need to make disciples of Jesus. Jesus is our master. He is the king. And we want everyone to trust him and him alone. We don't want them to trust the CPE brand. We want them to look to Jesus Christ. That's the second element to point out. And thirdly, we we don't just want any type of disciples. We want devoted disciples because this is what Jesus deserves. This is so important. I think this is probably the key distinctive in our mission statement. Let me tell you why. I believe that probably the biggest danger to the church in Australia is complacency. It's complacency. It's comfort. It's just being okay. 
it's pretty easy to be a Christian here in Australia, actually. You might get a bit of opposition, but, you know, as long as you've got a comfortable community, it's, it's all good. It's comfortable Christian lives that's a threat here. Lives that give the bare minimum. Now, the, the biggest danger to the church here in Australia, to the biggest danger to us, it's Sunday Christians that give 1.2% of their time to Jesus each week. If you're just coming to Sunday service, that's what you're doing, 1.2% of your time. This is killing the church in Australia. And we're definitely not immune to it here at CP. Friends, we need to see God's desire is not to gather a multitude of lackluster, half-hearted, part-time disciples, right? His desire is to gather wholehearted, all of life, all-in disciples, giving everything that we have, our lives, what does Romans 12 say, living sacrifices, everything. That's his heart. That's his desire. What a dishonor to our king who sacrificed himself to us when we just give our leftovers to him. He deserves all of our life. We are called to full devotion to God, full devotion. And what we need to know when we think about this word devotion, it, it isn't a cold obligation. Right? It's deeply relational. It's a natural outworking of deep love. Um, when I got married to uh, Li Ching, I think, I think 12 years ago. Is that right, yeah? 12 years ago? Something. We forgot. Into, we just had a baby, so it's okay. We don't, this stuff, you know, we forget sometimes. Um, but when I, when I got married to her, many years ago, <laughs> um, I made a vow, all right? Um, I made a promise to devote myself exclusively to her as my wife. Now, imagine if, um, what, you know, if I made that vow, but what I did was uh, I would come home and I said, okay, um, okay dear, maybe uh, I'll devote myself to you on Sunday mornings and one night a week, Okay. Uh, I'll give my full attention to you then, but the rest of the time, I'll probably be doing some other stuff. I might spend some time with other women in between, uh, but I'll always come back to you those days. Um, cool. I think that'll be okay. All right. Well, but I'm still devoted to you fully, 100%. Yeah, I love you. Yeah. That doesn't work, does it? There's something inherently deeply wrong with that. No one would call that a great marriage, a healthy marriage. Uh, that marriage wouldn't last. But why do we treat Jesus like that? Why do we just give him little leftovers of our time? Little set portions of our week. And the rest of the time we don't even think about him. We worship all these other things. Devote ourselves to other loves instead. Friends, this isn't the way it should be. If we aren't to do that in a marriage relationship, how much more so should we be devoting ourselves fully to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, the one who gave everything, everything for us? Our Saviour who loved us first. Friends, what we want to see here in CP Church is a people transformed by Jesus. We want to see CP Church living out fully devotional lives to Jesus, fully devoted lives for, uh, to Jesus for his glory. Because let me tell you, this is a, a great joy. This is a great privilege. There is nothing better than this. If you're feeling today maybe like your Christian life is a bit dull, maybe it's a bit underwhelming, maybe you're feeling a bit dry there, maybe because you're not living out the Christian life that God made you to live out, a life of full devotion to Him. 
That's where we'll actually find our full satisfaction, our full contentment, our, dr- our true joy, because this is what we were made for. This is our purpose. And our heart as a church is to help as many people as we can find that joy. The joy that comes from devoted discipleship. The joy that comes from having Jesus as their sole object of worship. And we need your help. Because we are all disciple makers. We've got a massive mission ahead of us, friends. Massive mission. Did you see Jesus' command? Make disciples of how many? Of all nations. All nations. And let me tell you, the staff can't do this by themselves. The leadership team can't do it by ourselves. We need all of you. And it starts with a change of mindset. Very often, it's easy, like I said before, because we're in Australia, it's comfortable, it's complacent. It's easy to have an image of church a little bit like, like this, like a luxury yacht, keeping us comfortable on the way to heaven. We come to church, we seek a good, comfortable experience, we come to enjoy time with our friends, we, uh, we have our favourite seats that we like to sit in. Uh, maybe over the pandemic, that seat is in front of your couch in pyjamas, I don't know, but church can be very comfortable. And as long as I'm kept comfortable on the way to heaven, then that is enough. Sometimes we can view church like this. It's an easy trap to fall into. But Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you need to take up your cross, be ready to suffer and to die. That doesn't sound like a luxury yacht to me. It sounds a bit more like this. It's more like a lifeboat. It's hard work. But we're out there on a mission. Because there are thousands of people drowning all around us that don't know Jesus Christ. People who are still in the dominion of darkness who don't have any hope. People that Jesus wants us to urgently save because he wants them to know him. Thousands of people perishing. You know, on an average Sunday, it's hard with pandemic stuff, but maybe we get about, you know... uh, 140 people in here. Um, and I think when you walk in, even today, it, what a great vibe it is to walk in here. It's, I love gathering with the family here. Um, but I'm not content with what we have. And you shouldn't be either. Why? Because there's still thousands and thousands of people that don't yet know Jesus Christ. There's empty seats in this hall that need to be filled with people who know Jesus as Lord and Saviour. There are countless people who don't worship Jesus all around us. To make this a little bit more concrete, uh, geographically around us, um, um, just in six suburbs, six suburbs which I chose as suburbs that we live in, just around our church, just in six um, suburbs, you know how many people there are? There's 60,000 people just in six suburbs around us. And if you were to look at the statistics, the majority of those people do not know Jesus Christ. Here's something a little even more scary. The majority of those people don't even have a Christian friend. They don't know a Christian. So how on earth will they know Jesus Christ if we don't go to them with the gospel that saves? The point is this. Thousands are perishing and we have the way of eternal life with us. We know how good Jesus Christ is. How can we hold that to ourselves? We cannot be content here. We cannot be content. We have a huge task ahead of us. We need you to be on mission with us. 
Think about the lifeboat. We need you as much as possible to be out there on mission, pulling as many people as you can onto the lifeboat. Yeah, this is what stuff we do like with Life Explored. What are we trying to do? We're trying to get people in, you know, who are drowning. We're trying to save them. We want them on board with us. And then we need you to help care for them and grow them so that they can start devoting themselves to Jesus more and more. And then they, in turn, will then start helping on the mission as well so that we can rescue more and more. We need to make as many disciples as we can, not because we want a big church, but because lives are at stake. But even more important, the glory of Jesus Christ is at stake. Our King Jesus, we want as many as we can worshipping him. There is nothing more important than this. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Because if you do, it will change everything about the way you live. You can't go back to the way you were living before. We long to see more say for God's glory. Today we are commissioning um, Matt and Ben as they come on board with us on this mission to see more rescued, more to know Jesus Christ. I'm so excited to see how God works through our brothers to help us on this mission. But I want to tell you something. If we want to reach as many people as possible, then um, it can't rely on Matt and Ben and me and the rest of the staff, on Jane. It can only happen when each and every one of you join us on this mission. When you take a step in faith into discomfort for the sake of God's glory. How amazing is it when you think about it that God works through ordinary people like you and me to bring people into eternal life. What a privilege that is. Will you come on board with us on our mission? What can you give this year, friends? I want you to reflect on this as you go away from today. If you do one thing, I want you to just reflect. Go away and think, what can you give this year to the work of making devoted disciples of Jesus for God's glory? Can you give more of your time and energy in serving in a ministry team this year? Can you give more Financially, friends, let me tell you, we need to be more generous this year. We need to step up. Our costs are growing as we bring more staff on board, as we increase our vision for what we would like to do in church, and we need resources for that. I'd love for you to consider and pray if you can be more generous to help us on our mission. Can you give up? What else can you give up? Can you give up potentially some of your reputation as you put yourself out there and invite your non-Christian friend to church for the first time? What will you give up for Jesus' sake this year? Friends, this will be hard work. This will be uncomfortable. In fact, it's quite scary. But I don't know if you notice one of the refrains in Matthew 28 in this chapter. It it comes up a few times. It's these words. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Why? Well, I'll finish with this verse. The last words that Jesus says before he goes... (laughs) The final part of the Great Commission. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The king with all authority over heaven and earth, the powerful king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, he promises this to be with us on our mission every single day until we come to him. What a comfort that is. So let us go forth 
to make devoted disciples of Jesus for God's glory, having full assurance that our King is with us. Let's do that. After all, this is what we were made for. This is why we are here. Let me pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we are so overwhelmed by how amazing your grace and love is to us in Jesus Christ, that we as sinners would be chosen to be part of your people. But even more so, we're blown away by the fact that you use us to save more people. We are so flawed. Uh, We have fear. We often don't know the right words to say. But we ask, Father God, that you would use us in our weakness to show your strength and your glory and your grace and love to those around us. Help us to be bold for the sake of Jesus' glory, not for our sake. Let let us put that aside. And we need your help in this. May your Holy Spirit transform our hearts to take a step forward today and each and every day to devote ourselves to Jesus. We pray these things for his glory in his name. Amen.